My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Basha here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Nick Loper. He's the host of the Side Hustle Show. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you so much for coming on. You bet. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your podcast, your challenges, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Oh, where I'm at today? I'm almost 10 years into hosting the Side Hustle Show, which is crazy to me because the time has just blown by what started as uh, you know a $60 mic in the corner of the living room, this little experiment to see if anybody would tune in. Uh, it kind of it kind of took on a life of its own and it's become uh, my main focus. And, you know, along the way started to identify as a podcaster, not just a dude with a podcast. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. been a, a fun transition um, during that time, you know, had a, a couple kids too. So become a father over the course of that time, like at a very different stage in my life and career. Of course, the side hustle stuff started, um, you know, with my own side hustle before this business, you know, probably five years before, even longer before. Um, and that was in the comparison shopping site for footwear. Um, just another random niche, but had um, a couple of different online businesses prior to starting this one and uh, have been excited to spread the gospel of this lower risk brand of entrepreneurship for almost 10 years now. Really cool. Really cool. So it was a shoe comparison site. Yeah, I would tell you where you could get the best price on your next pair of shoes, which, huh. uh, you know, comparison shopping is not is not today what it once was. You know, in the early days of the internet, you would go to like a price grabber or a, a shopping.com and you could find, you know, all of these different stores selling the thing that you wanted. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the best price. Today, most people just start their search on Amazon. So it's kind of a, a an outdated business yeah. model in a way. Yeah. What were you doing before you started any of it? So this was all kind of on the side for my corporate job. So we even started dabbling with the online business stuff, you know, prior to graduation, after graduation, did what you're supposed to do, got a got a real job that was working for Ford, which was kind of an eye-opening experience being at the bottom rung of this hundred year old company and, you know, watching how they do things and interfacing with their dealers who sometimes have been in business for three, four, five generations, it seemed like. And so that was really cool. The car business was fascinating, but just had zero yes. desire to climb the ladder and you know make that a career. So evenings and weekends, that was building the shoe business up to the point where I finally felt comfortable three years into it to uh, pull the plug, turn in the keys to the company car and uh, and give my notice at work. Oh my gosh. Okay. I've got to ask you, it's totally sidetracked. Do you have a favorite car from Ford? My favorite... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of that. That was the kind of cool things. They like give you a new car every like three to six months to like you know, partially to show off and you know just for lots of different reasons. Like you know, you got to be driving around, yeah. getting these things on the road. Um, probably the coolest one that I had was the Edge, which was new at the time. That was one of the mm-hmm. favorites. Kind of like a smaller SUV. The Fusion that I had was kind of like their mid-sized sedan, but like it was fully loaded, which was really nice. Like, I don't know, just I've always grown up with like really economical cars. And so uh-huh. know, beyond <laughs> the, the option to order your own and like check every option, 
was a was a ton of fun. But yeah, I was uh, driving around if with I, a convertible Mustang in the middle of winter wow. and some stuff. <laughs> yeah, if I if I had had that job, I would have asked for a Mustang every three yeah. to six months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I drive now. I just drive a nice five O S five fifty. Wouldn't trade nice. it for the world. <laughs> um, but anyway, so working this job and then work, transitioning into corporate, what made you want to start a side hustle? I guess what what about it attracted you? It's just being being in control of my own destiny, or at least feeling like I was exercising some level of proactive effort toward that goal. Again, it was like I had no desire to climb the corporate ladder, but didn't really see the alternative. And maybe the alternative was, well, I got to build my own ladder. So how am I going to go do that? And that's kind of what the blog and podcast have been trying to share. Like, if you're not happy with where you're at, it's going to be on you to change that. And let me just shotgun at this point now, 550 something episodes on how to do that. What was the intention behind starting the podcast then? The podcast, so I, this was, you know, the result of a lot of soul searching kind of in that uh, early 2013 timeframe, you know, was running the shoe business, was running this other side hustle, this like virtual assistant directory and review platform. It was looking for kind of a more personally branded project. I had been blogging on a personal domain for years about, you know, a little bit of like marketing and entrepreneurship stuff. Cause I was like, what was going on in my day to day? But, yeah. you know, rants about current events, uh, you know, pictures from a vacation, like very much a personal journal type of blog that had no readership, like had no, you know, consistent theme or message for anybody to stick around and keep coming back to. And so the podcast was kind of like the lesser of two evils. People at the, who I was following at that time was like, well, if you want to build an online presence, you got to have a blog. Sure. You got to have, you know, your home base website. I still think that's true today. And then you got to, you know, go out into the world. And at that time, was like YouTube or podcasting was kind of like the options. It was like, well, I'm really not comfortable doing video, especially at that point. So podcasting was the lesser of two evils. And it was, you know, uh, you know, it's still kind of intimidating. I remember ordering the mic and having it sit there on the desk for weeks before kind of getting up the nerve to like, well, nothing's going to happen until you plug that thing in and, and talk to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and having that interview-based show was helpful for me too. So some people have that skill and talent where you can, you just give them the mic and for half an hour, they are teaching and orating and, you know, they're engaging. It's like, for me, it was very much like, well, just let me play into my natural strengths of curiosity. Like, well, how did you come up with that idea? How did, how'd you find your first customers for that? You know, how did you grow that thing? Like those types of questions were really interesting back in 2013 and, and still are today. That's kind of the curiosity that drives the show. What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced starting out? I think the biggest challenge, this is something that's true of all podcasters who don't have an existing audience. Like if you're not a celebrity coming into it and bringing your millions of Instagram followers into that fold, it's that awareness challenge of like, you're shouting into the void of the internet and hoping somebody finds you who needs this message. And so for me, it was um, had like an email list of 11 at that time, you know, entirely made up of friends and family and not even all of them signed up for that. It was just, um, yeah. but what I did have and what a lot of people have is, you know, your existing network. You know, if you've been around for, if you've been alive on this planet, you have some level of, you know, peers and colleagues and friendships that you can kind of rely on when you are building something that you care about. And, you know, whatever the average person has, you know, 236 Facebook friends or something, there's 236 people that at least probably care something about what you're working on. And maybe it's the same for LinkedIn connections. And for me, it was, you know, five or 10 years worth of Gmail history. 
And so I literally went through my inbox, opened up a new compose window and started typing like letters of the alphabet and seeing what would auto-populate in that compose window. Like, oh, hey, oh, Aaron, I haven't emailed Aaron in a while. What's going on, Aaron? Hey, I just launched this new show. I would love for you to check it out. Oh. Even if you're not in the market for a side hustle, maybe you know somebody who is, you know, every download helps me. And that was kind of like the initial, you know, guerrilla marketing trying to spread the word about it. That is, uh, what were what were the reactions from Facebook friends and things like that when you started emailing them and hitting them up and saying like, hey, listen, starting this show. It's like so embarrassing now, right? Because it's like you're, you, you almost have to put in the reps to get better at the thing. And so the first 40, 50 episodes are probably not, you know, your best work, but you're like, you're trying to brute force something like that zero to one lift off, super, super hard. Um, but the reactions, of course, were, were super positive. And it was, it was very, it was nerve wracking in a way, you know, I remember my, my first like 50 download day and today, you know, probably 10,000 downloads is like an average day for the show, but like the first like bump up to 50 on the chart and it was nerve, you know, nerve wracking. Cause like, I, I have probably reached someone I don't know at this point, like, you know, a, a friend of a friend or like somebody beyond my immediate circle of influence. And then it's like, all of a sudden that, you know, fear of judgment comes back. Like, what if they think it sucks? You know, what if I get a negative review and like all of these things are very, um, kind of scary in that way, you know, starting out with your immediate network and then but trying to trying to go out to that next circle was kind of scary. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I know that you mentioned earlier how you, you know, there was a point in time where you were a guy who has a podcast and then you decide to call yourself a podcaster. I'd love <laughs> to know at what point did you decide, okay, I'm a podcaster. It's safe to call myself this. Yeah, I don't know. It's like probably six years into it. It just took a long time to really oh, wow. embrace that as like, this is something that I do. It's part of my weekly routine. It's just, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine not doing it after all this time, but it was hard to lean into that because it was always, you know, and, and you would get this feedback from other people too. Hey, what do you do? Oh, I host this weekly show about side hustles and ways to make extra money. That's cool. Uh, what do you do the rest of the time? <laughs> it's like, well, there's a little bit more that goes into it than just that, you know, um, but really embracing that as kind of the lead, uh, the lead domino for a lot of the business. And it's, um, you know, as listenership grows, revenue tends to follow and it's not necessarily one for one and it's not necessarily immediate, but you can kind of, you can kind of track that as the audience size increases, good things tend to happen. What was your favorite side hustle that you've heard about through your show? Gosh, the most random one that uh, keeps coming to mind is this guy, Steve Nadramia, high school teacher in New York. And his side hustle was renting out portable hot tubs. And I just had so many questions because <laughs> he reached out to me on Facebook. Okay. Like, hey, I've got, I've got a unique side hustle for you, Nick. You, you talked about renting out like inflatable, like bounce houses, starting like a party rental business. I thought about doing that, but then I pivoted to this instead. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, and he's like, I've got 25 or 30 of these things. It's like, where do you keep them all? And he's like, I, you know, I might have one or two like in the side yard at a time, but most of the time they're rented out. I was like, this is fascinating. So he started out, you know, pre-pandemic right. really blew up during the pandemic because everybody's stuck at home. Right. Like, hey, I've got, you know, this, uh, this one's like, get the kids out of my hair for, for a little bit, go stick them in this hot tub. And, you know, the math was really interesting. So he's like, you buy these things, 
used and he had a specific brand that he liked, you know, if you get them used for, you know, 2000 bucks and then you turn them around and rent them out for 250 bucks a week, 500 bucks a month, you know, different bulk pricing, like, wow, the return on investment math on that works out a lot faster than a traditional rental real estate model. And, you know, he was, he was I mean, there was labor involved. He's still doing the pickups and the deliveries and the clean outs and stuff. But it was, that was one that I just had never even considered. And he was doing really, and still doing his full-time teaching job too. So I thought that was really, cre- really creative. That is very interesting. I'm sure that that guy has plenty of horror stories though. <laughs> just about, uh, I just can't imagine renting out hot tubs. Oh, okay. On the flip side, what was your least favorite side hustle? At least, I don't know. I mean, there, there's ebbs and flows. The ones that make me nervous are the ones that people are having uh, to put up just huge amounts of capital up front for like an unproven model. And there's always ways to kind of mitigate or reduce your risk going into something. But if you're, you know, having to buy, you know, ten thousand dollars worth of, you know, a minimum order of a physical product, and then you're gonna store that, or you're gonna store that in Amazon's warehouses, and you know, maybe while you're selling it, meanwhile, Amazon is like mining all your data and other sellers are too, of course, they're saying, well, gee, this seems to be a hot product. And, you know, now the Amazon basics version comes out and undercuts you. And meanwhile, you got 20 grand worth of inventory sitting in that warehouse. It's no longer selling. Like that stuff makes me nervous. The same thing on the online business side. If you're you know, investing tens of thousands of dollars into your web presence, it's like uh, time out. Do you, do you have a customer? Do you, have you validated this thing first? Like, what are the lower risk ways you can kind of prove out the concept before really going all in on it? So, which side hustles do you most frequently recommend to people? For people starting out, starting with a service based business is where I found even from now over 500 side hustle show guests, most of them started with a service business, even if that's not where they ultimately ended up. And I think the reason for that is it's just, it's low risk, it's low cost to get started. You can rely on your own, uh, you know, background and skills and expertise and say, hey, look, I can go out and solve this problem for somebody else. And even if you don't want to do that, you can play the matchmaker model of like, well, I've found this to be a problem in the market and I can go play matchmaker between existing qualified service providers. It's just a low overhead, low risk way to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, the people who are you know, generally making the most or making the most in a more time leveraged way. Because there's lots of ways to, you know, leverage and scale service businesses too, but they're the online business owners, the content creators, where it's like, I mean, podcasting is a great example. It takes the same effort to produce an episode that 10 people listen to or 10,000 people listen to. And same thing, you know, YouTube videos, you know, whatever your platform of choice is, it has some unique scale to it. And so those are the people who I see really making some outsized, uh, you know, monthly income reports, so to speak. Interesting. Very interesting. What keeps you motivated to keep doing the show? That's just, I just get a kick out of kind of deconstructing these ideas and, you know, every, you know, there's always another Thursday coming around, but, you know, for now almost 10 years, like, you know, if something comes across my desk or you figure out a way to make up uh, some hopefully compelling radio on a unique business idea, I mean, this week, I think, is this woman selling spreadsheets on Etsy? Like, shoot, I love making spreadsheets. You're kidding me. People are buying these little fill-in-the-blank templates for you that you've created. And you know, she's sold probably a quarter million worth of them so far in the last couple of years. So it's just stuff like that that just, you know, comes across my desk. And I'm like, I got to learn more. How does this all work? And so it's, I don't know. I, when it gets old, I imagine I'll stop doing it. But so far, it's been fun. Oh my gosh, spreadsheets. That's actually really smart because I I love spreadsheets, but I hate putting them together. 
I would well, so buy a pre-made <laughs> spreadsheet. That makes, that is so cool. Yeah. I was, I was really weird. Cause I'm like the DIY person. Like, but dude, I'm going to pay for somebody else's Excel file. I just, you know, I'll make this myself. And it's, she, she kind of drew a contrast to selling printables, which was a hot, and maybe still is kind of a hot uh, side hustle on, on Etsy. It'll create something once, sell it over and over again, love business models like that. But she's like, because now it's customizable in Google Sheets in Excel, you know, I can command a higher price for it than just a static PDF. Mm -hmm. So I've got to ask you, since you're the side hustle guy, how do you feel about dropshipping? The dropshipping has, we just, that was like last week's episode at the time of this recording. So dropshipping has, and we talked about this at the top of the show, this kind of like complicated uh, reputation online. And yeah. my guess, this guy, Ben Kenegendorf runs a site called Dropship Breakthrough. He's run, you know, uh, probably a dozen different e-commerce brands under that dropship model. And he focused on high ticket dropshipping. And he's like, Nick, the problem is there's a lot of these, you know, early twenties kids standing in front of their rented Lambos talking about dropshipping from Alibaba. And it's like quick turn and burn fly, not necessarily fly by night, but like you try to generate demand for these little, you know, low cost widgets that nobody really necessarily needs in their life. And so he contrasted that with the high ticket dropshipping model of, you know, targeting, you know, basically signing on as a retailer for brands that are already established and saying, okay, I'm going to promote you. I'm going to create content around this. I'm going to really build a brand in this space. And he talked about the tiny house space, the 3D printing space, the you know pellet grill space, the standing desk space, like looking around for kind of high, higher priced items uh, in your day-to-day -day or in your neighborhood. And then using those as kind of inspiration. Well, what kind of customer would I want to serve in that niche? And how could I, you know, go out and build, uh, you know, build a store around that? The challenge is, you know, if everybody selling the same products from the same manufacturers at the same price, like you got to still come up with some, you got to be either a better marketer or better, you got to differentiate yourself in some way. So mm -hmm. it, it definitely, I've seen it work, but definitely some challenges that come along with it. Oh, I mean like with every business, but I would definitely prefer to do high ticket drop shipping over selling cheap crap off of Alibaba and hoping yeah. that it, it just, it, it doesn't sound very sustainable because in my head, like, okay. You find one product, you sell a decent amount of it, but then it's not hot anymore. And then you have to go and you have to find another product and you have to repeat the process again. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. Lots of competition, super, super saturated. So I was always very iffy about drop shipping, but I like the idea of high ticket. Yeah. I mean, the idea of like having essentially risk-free inventory is like, hey, you know, I got to, I only have to buy the thing after I make a sale. Like uh, that's kind of cool, but it is tricky if you, I mean, some people are great at that, you know, making those viral videos that, you know, really take off. You're like, dude, I need that thing in my life. And you know, they go, but it is, it's kind of like that viral spike. And then you're, and then you're kind of done. You're like, okay, I had a great month or I had a great 60 days. And now I got to find the next thing versus exactly. you know, I'm going to build a brand around, you know, become the go-to guy around backyard barbecuing. And then, you know, I could sell these pellet grills or I could sell these other kind of uh, accessories to somebody who might be in that market. Absolutely. Plus, I think that the other thing now that's kind of wrong about, not necessarily wrong about dropshipping, but at the time of this recording, there's, you know, TikTok is having a trial or whatever with Congress and they might be taking down TikTok. And a lot of the dropshippers rely on using TikTok to advertise their products. So after that, you know, what's the next thing going to be? Yeah. 
it's kind of that manufactured demand versus, you know, kind of going skate where the puck is already going or kind of going in front of what's already out there. And that's a lot of what Side Hustle Nation does on the written content side of things. Like, okay, you know, looking at the keyword data, say a certain number of people search for this every month. Can we create better content than what's already out there on that given keyword? And we see that, I mean, same thing on Etsy with the spreadsheets, like people are searching for budget template, budget planner, budget, yeah. you know, Google sheet, if you'll fill in the blank thing. And it's like, okay, that search demand is already there. I can fulfill that need versus trying to, you know, go out into the wilds of the internet and say, hey, everybody needs a new lid for their coffee cup. And this is, yeah, I don't know, a different, a different approach. Oh, for sure. But in terms of the podcast, what is your focus going to be for the rest of 2023? Just keeping keeping the show alive, I guess. Keep it keep it at it. <laughs> Always try to source new interesting stories, and uh, you know, I get a kick, especially if it's somebody's you know first interview. You know, to be the you know, I get a kick out of being the first to like you know, scoop those stories, and I'll get feedback like you know, one of my recent guests from last summer, she just did a segment with Kelly Clarkson on, you know, Good Morning America. Well, like, I don't know what, what show it was, but it was like, oh, you know, you, and then I was like, well, that's so cool. And she's like, Nick, you were my first interview. I was like, I love it. Um, oh, so being, so cool. And a lot of times those stories kind of bubble up from inside of the community at this point. And it's really cool to be able to turn around and showcase those. And, um, and just share it. I'm like, hey, there's, there's a, and in her case, she was making money, uh, teaching video game classes for kids. Like, Hey, you want to learn how to play Zelda better? You want to learn how to play, you know, Pokemon? I don't know. She had a handful of games that she like really specialized in. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, again, one of those that never knew was a thing, but she was making it a thing and it was great. I mean, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. If your that's whole so job is just teaching kids how to play Roblox or Minecraft, then <laughs> yeah. You're set. <laughs> That's really cool, though. That's really cool. What are some of your biggest challenges surrounding the podcast today? I mean, the the challenge is, so I get a lot of inbound. So one of the challenges, you know, it's the, the 10% of pitches that are great are great. You're like, all right, let's make this episode happen. The 10% of pitches that are awful are equally great because you're like, okay, that's easy to just round file those and ignore those. It's 80% in the middle. That takes a lot of time. Like, well, there might be an angle here. There could be a hook here. You know, how do we massage this story and present that in a way that would be, you know, beneficial for the audience? Like what's the transformation that the audience is going to get out of that? So that takes a lot of time and just like broad, more broadly on the business, just kind of like the delegation and scale challenges of, you know, how do I remove myself from the elements of the business that don't need to be me? And that's been a, a constant challenge, especially going back to the keyword research side of thing. You know, here's, you know, a dozen articles that I'm pretty confident that the site could rank for. It's just, you know, when I sit down and like, well, it's going to take four hours to knock that out. So even with the AI tools now, it's like, well, I haven't had a, haven't prioritized dedicating the time to go out and get that stuff done. So that's kind of where where I'm at, but can't complain. Life's pretty good. Even I mean, these are, these are fantastic <laughs> problems to have. These are champagne problems to the max, yes. but you should have, you should hire a couple hosts that will cover those other different, the, that 80%. And then that way you're still getting everybody on the show. You're still getting more interviews in. You have plenty of episodes. Yeah, maybe so. Everybody gets you're your only, attention. That's <laughs> hard. You're like, you're only as good as your last episode. And so it's like you're trying to, and as the audience has grown, like there's a lot of pressure to keep coming up oh, with good yeah. stuff. 
absolutely. I believe it hundred percent. So in terms of scaling, what have your, where are you planning on going with it? What are your, what are your current thoughts? So one of the things is that, you know, as an, if, if I'm an outsider looking into the business, I mean, one of the easiest levers to pull is to simply send more emails, promote more offers, either my own products or other people's products as an affiliate, because that's over a hundred thousand subscribers and has historically been an underutilized asset. And I typically would just send, you know, one email a week after a kind of a brief welcome sequence. And so that is something that's on the horizon, trying to map out well, what would that look like? Could I pre-build those campaigns? Could I set those to run on autopilot? That's kind of a fun, a fun uh, upcoming challenge for me. One last question. What do you love the most about podcasting? It's the network. It's the, being able to call up people that, you know, otherwise would never give you the time of the day, or you wouldn't have an excuse to talk to them in any way. And then kind of the surprising benefit is the worldwide network of listenership who, and who really feel like friends to me, even if sometimes I've never met them, they feel like they know you and being able to hold meetups really wherever I travel all across the country. All, I mean, we had meetups in Japan and Mexico city and Europe, like even wherever we go, you know, to be able to have kind of this built-in, you know, friend base, so to speak, it's yeah. really, really cool. And I, I don't think I really put two and two together. Of course you have this, you know, inherent understanding of like, yeah, to grow an audience, those are going to be real people. And those dots on the chart, like those are actual listeners, but to, to, and, and, and to turn that from a virtual relationship into an in-person relationship has been really, really cool. And I, I find I get a lot of uh, energy from those meetups. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that you do. I'm yet to have a meetup from any of my previous interviews, but I'm sure that that's on the horizon. It'll be All right, it's Nick. really cool. Oh, I'm sure. All right, Nick, thank you so much for coming on. If you had to give one piece of advice to anybody who is thinking about starting a podcast or wants to start a new side hustle, what would it be? Um, for podcasting specifically, it's you're thinking about how you're going to climb the listener pyramid. This is you know a four-step pyramid from strangers who don't know who you are. And it's like, unfortunately, the biggest chunk of the pyramid to listeners like, okay, how am I going to get them to give you a chance to plug you into their earbuds just that one first time? How do you convert those listeners to subscribers and ultimately those subscribers into fans, fans being the people who buy all your stuff, they evangelize your work, they're spreading the word, like those are kind of what you want. So every piece of content that you create is kind of geared toward how am I going to climb someone up this pyramid? And then just broadly speaking, side hustle wise, you got to put on your experimenter's hat. You know, everything that I've tried has been positioned in my mind as an experiment, you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. I'm going to try this thing out. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, I'm not going to count myself as this horrible abject failure. I'm going to go back to the drawing board and just make it pivot to it. I'm going to try something else because, you know, that's what a scientist would do. Like hypothesis disproved. Okay. On to the next thing. <laughs> All right. Love it. Thank you so much, Nick. You bet. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. 
Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com. And then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.